God is challenging us to begin to step out and do something and to make his power public. Really quick, I want to go over this flex manual just just real briefly here. Um, I need I need um, someone to come help me hook up my iPad uh, to the power source. I, I think I'm about to go out here. So if you guys could do that for me, the, all this stuff is here. I just I want to just talk about this really quick while you guys do that. Just find someone that'll do that for me. Amen. This uh this thing is not just for Sundays. I, I want you to understand this. Uh, this this booklet here is for every day of the week for the next five weeks. 35 days is what we're calling it. Um, I want to encourage you to every day to do, there's a calendar in the middle the middle section here that tells you everything that we're, we're going to be doing. Uh, tells you on day one, you know, what's going on, day two, what's going on, and what you should be doing. Um, again, I don't want this to be a weight on you guys. I don't want to put something on you that uh, you're not filling or anything like that, but it's rather just a guide. And the reason why I put this together and the reason why I did it is simply for this. I begin to experience God's power in my life in a real passionate and vibrant way in the course of five weeks. There were certain things that God began to speak to me, and I don't know if you guys know my, my personal story, but um, I went through a time period in my life. I've been, I was raised in church. My dad's been a pastor uh, longer than I've been born. Uh, so I didn't have a choice in my occupation. <laughs> I, I remember when I told my dad, you know, when I, 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 you know, finally broke the news to him, I was at a, uh, we were at a Chili's. I took my dad out to Chili's. Here's the thing. If you want to butter my dad up, you take him out to eat. My dad loves to eat. And so we were at a Chili's and uh, I broke the news to him that I was going to be a pastor. And my son, my dad goes, you know, son, as much as I love pastoring, as much as I love doing the will of God, he says, I wouldn't wish that on you. <laughs> and I was like, why? You know, and, he, and my, of course, he's just joking. But when I told him I wanted to be a pastor, um, he began to d- tell me, get, Doug, he goes, the reason why, I, I, you know, I wouldn't want to wish this on you is he goes, because there's no retirement. There's no financial security in this. He goes, you'll, you'll have job security. Because people are always going to need help. He says, but there's no financial security in this. He says, I, I, I would rather you go to school as a dad. I would rather you finish your schooling. I, I, would ra- you know, I don't want you going to seminary. He goes, because seminary, you get out, and then all they're going to tell you is, now you can preach. Now, hopefully God provides. But I, I felt this drive. I felt this, this uh capacity to do this and over the course you know of a few years a few years went by I was pastoring and he was right it's a struggle it's hard but it's a it's a misery let me tell you something anybody who says pastoring mentoring volunteering is not is not miserable they're lying but it's a misery and I'm going to talk a little bit about this tonight it's a misery that drove me to ministry I began to feel something just tremendous happen inside of me, and I wanted to get out and help people. And what ended up happening was a few years into this, my my brother had passed away. And I lost all faith in God. Uh, I had a healing ministry at that time. Um, I was going out and doing this, and 
I was being just used by God. And I remember when I found out my brother was in the hospital, I, I remember walking into the hospital and thinking, all right, everybody, don't worry, Doug's here. I'm going to take care of this right now. Mom, dad, stop crying. I'm going to walk in there and everything's going to be fine. I remember walking in and instantly my faith was tested. You ever been in a situation where you just totally believed something was going to happen and then nothing did? I remember walking in there and I couldn't even recognize him and I just instantly my faith was crushed. But still, I went over there and laid hands on him and prayed, and I totally believed his eyes were going to open. He was going to get up. His wounds were going to be healed. His you know, bones were going to come back together. I, I totally believed that, and it di- didn't happen. Five days later, my brother had passed away, and I lost my faith. Yes, I was a pastor with no faith. I know that's tragic and sad, but you know what's amazing is how God just honors that. He doesn't expect us to be perfect. He doesn't expect us to, to have something that, you know, or to put something out there that, that uh, we, we don't necessarily have at the moment. But he says, I honor the faithfulness of my people. Notice how he doesn't say, I honor the perfection of my people. I honor, you know, how righteous they are. No, he says, I honor the faithfulness of my people. In every service, I got up and I ministered. When people would call me and say, hey, we need you to come do a healing thing, even though I lost faith in healing, I still went, still did it. God still moved. Made me angry every time. I remember driving home from L.A. every time. God was doing some amazing things there. And I'd be, God, what? I'll never forget. There was a challenge God laid on my heart. said, Doug. If you want to do more, I'm going to have to ask you for more. I remember I I was walking on a street behind my house, and I just said, God, I'm ready. Whatever it is you have, I'm ready. And right there like a flood, I'm telling you, God just hit me in that street. I remember I was sitting out in front of Kopi Stodoropoulos' house. He came out wondering why this guy was crying on his curb came out, and he's, he's a Christian, attends a Greek Orthodox church, came over and said, are you okay? And he knows me as the backyard neighbor, the guy who causes all the drama in his life. <laughs> but he just right there just began to just tell me, look, man, God's got a plan. God's got a destiny. And I, I, I accepted that and just remember walking away from that experience. And then over the course of five weeks, God flip-flopped my world. Let me tell you just one thing that happened in the course of those five weeks. I began to get serious about making God's power public in my life. And within a week of doing that, I got a phone call that says, we need missionaries. Can you come? Me and my wife, we, don't, we didn't have that kind of money. But somehow, some way, God made a way. I did three different mission trips in a matter of literally a few months. And saw God do some amazing, I can't even begin to describe to you the kind of incredible things God did with me. And I remember just taking God at his word. And so over the course of the next 35 days, through devotions, we're going to be fasting here. Oh, I know I just said a cuss word. I'm so sorry. Please do not butcher me after service. We're going to be fasting on Wednesdays for the next five weeks. And I I feel very strongly about this, guys. 
There is something amazing that happens when we fast. Jesus put it this way. He says, when you fast, not if you fast, when you fast. So he totally expects his people to be fasting. He totally expects us. So over the course of the next five weeks, every Wednesday, we're going to be fasting. Now, I understand if you got medical issues and you need to eat, that's fine. I completely understand that. Maybe there's some other things we can fast. Some of us, we need to fast our phones. Amen. We need to fast our phones. We need to fast our computers, our internet. Some of us, we need to do that because we can go without eating. But we cannot spend 20 seconds without being on our phones. So some of us, we need to do that. We need to start putting checks on that. I'm giving up my phone for on Wednesdays. Amen. Use it as a tool. Answer phone calls. Make phone calls. Some of us, we need to get off our phones. Some of us, we need to get off the TV. We can't live without TV. I used to call it secular anorexia, meaning (laughs) that's what I used to call fasting. When someone would say, oh, you're fasting? No, I'm being a secular anorexic today, this week. Some of us, we need to give up some things. But here's the thing. I want you to understand something about fasting just really quick before I I get on with the message. Um, Fasting is not trying to accomplish something. Most people fail in fasting because they're trying to accomplish a whole day without eating. That's not what fasting is. Fasting is us saying, you know what, God, I need you to satisfy me today. And just watch God begin to do some amazing, powerful things in your life. We have a Facebook address. Uh, we, we got a Facebook uh, for the Flex. Uh, we want to hear your stories about what God does as you begin to commit to 35 days. We're going to be having people. Um, I, I want to encourage you, if something amazing happens over the next 35 days. I want you guys to get in contact with me. If it's here at the service, if it's if it's on Facebook or Twitter, whatever it may be, I want you guys to get in contact with me. Let me know what God is doing. Let me know what what how how God's power is transpiring in your life because the most amazing things can happen and you can change someone's life by you simply just letting people know this is what God is doing. It's not bragging. There's nothing wrong with bragging about God. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with you saying, God did this for me when I did this. Because I give God all the glory. Amen. So we want to encourage you over the next five weeks to just take this home. Study it, guys. We got, dev- we got some powerful devotions here. Just, I'm, I'm telling you, I was reading some of them last night. As, as we were putting this thing together, we, we had people literally working all week or all weekend on this. And uh, just some powerful devotions here about God challenging and changing lives. And let me tell you something. These people here that are, that are in these devotions, these are not just random people. These are people who have seen God do amazing, powerful things in their life. And they're flexing what God wants to do. Amen? So we want to encourage you, stick to this, guys. Again, I don't want this to be a wait. Don't feel that you can't come to church because you missed day five you know, or you missed day five through day 20. Listen, that's, that's not what this is about. This is simply to challenge if you believe you're ready for something different, amen, something powerful happening in your life. So in saying that, let's get on with the service tonight. I really feel God in this. I'm really excited to preach. Uh, you got to understand, when someone wants to preach and when they believe that they're called to be a preacher, they count down. Sunday is not, you know, you, most people, they, you know, they're like, oh, Sunday's the end of my, my weekend. My weekend starts on Monday. Amen. I'm actually going to go see a movie with my mom. 
I'm going to go see that movie Contagion. Because my mom, she's a, uh, she's a movie buff, and she told me I'll take you out. And I was like, great. My weekend is Monday, so I can't wait to preach tonight. I've been in my office, or in my, actually in my dad's office, because we're renting this building. And in my dad's office, praying and seeking God, and i just really excited. So what do you say we get to it? Amen? Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now. God, first and foremost, Lord, we thank you for your word. God, without it, we would be lost. Without it, God, we would be hopeless. We thank you for your direction, God, and you guiding us, Father, to know you more. We thank you for Jesus. Tonight, God, I just pray that, Lord, you would begin to envelop this place in new ways. God, in new ways. Some of us, we've been waiting a long time, God, for you to act. God, for you to display something powerful in our lives. And I just pray that right now, God, may this be the start, God, of a movement, Lord Jesus. Not just a series, not just an idea, but Lord God, we become a people addicted, God, to seeing your power manifested in every area of our life. In your holy and most precious name we pray, amen and amen. When people flex, they're trying to show off something. They're trying to make something public. Uh, I was recently just inspired by a video. Uh, if, if, you, if you got Facebook or anything like that, uh, YouTube, I, I don't know. I'm going to put that for a resource. You got to watch this video. It's just hilarious. I was dying laughing. What it was was uh, a young man was secretly recording his brother uh, working or you know flexing in front of a mirror after a workout. And his brother has no idea this is happening. He obviously looks like he just came out of a really serious workout. And he's doing all these poses in front of the mirror. He's kissing his muscles. He's, you know, just totally flexing for, you know, for himself. And it just, I was dying simply just because of all these poses. And I think the reason why I laughed the hardest was because I was able to see myself. And before you get all like, unnerdy on me. Um, you've all done that, right? We've all been there. Amen. Thank you, Jason, for raising your hand. Jason, you're going to heaven, definitely going to heaven. Um, we've all been in those situations where no one's looking and, you know, you just got done. You know, if you're like me, you've been, you worked out like once in like three months and then you're like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom, you know, and then you're in front of the mirror and you're like, you know, yeah, that's right. You know, and uh, that's no one. Okay. I'm on my own. That's no problem. I started thinking about God, man. What if someone recorded me and put it on YouTube? I don't think it'd be that funny. I don't think uh, people would, would, uh, I, I, maybe people would laugh, but I wouldn't find that too funny. And I guess another reason why it was funny is because there was really nothing there for him to be flexing. It was, he, he was, you know, just looked like an average, you know, Every day, Joe wasn't like he was that big old guy on the on the the the, the flexing uh, uh, promo there. He was just an average, everyday, run of the mill guy, and he was flexing. But when people flex, they're trying to put something on display. They're making a strength that's inside of them public. It's the only reason why people flex. They want to let you know, look at it. it's right there. I'm flexing right now. I think I did a push-up. I did one push-up. 
Is it? I, I don't know why, but when I was young, I could do push-ups like it was nobody's business. And then it dawned on me, I was like 70 pounds then. So it'd be nothing to push up 70 pounds. I'm not going to tell you what my weight is now, but just understand I'm 6'2 also, you know, so that weight is adjusted. I'm perfect weight for my, anyway, I'm getting off track here. They're trying to make something visible that's normally not visible. People don't walk around flexing. I don't know how they would do that. But whenever they want to show something off, they begin to flex. And so when I, when I put together this series, the, I had other names for it, but then I came across this, this trainer, and he, he said this. He owns the, uh, he owns the uh, Gold's Gym in, on Venice Beach. And if you know anything about the Los Angeles area, Venice Beach is the, is the uh, muscle place of the universe. If you, are interest, if you are at all remotely interested in working out and muscles and uh, bodybuilding, you know all about Venice Beach. And he owns the Gold's Gym there. It's real popular. But he said this. He goes, people are not allowed to flex in his gym unless they've earned the right to flex. He says they've run people out. He goes, with all with today's technology and, 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 and supplemental drinks, he goes, it's easy to get muscles nowadays. He goes, but the only people that have a right to flex in his gym are the people who come in day in and day out, no supplements, no easy tricks, no, no fancy way of doing this. They come in day in, day out, and they pump that iron. And he said, and, and, and he showed, he goes, this guy's allowed to flex. And he's a big old guy, I don't, I don't know, just, I don't see how he turns, but just, he was a really big muscular guy. But then he also went to this other guy, young guy, who, isn't as big, but he says he earns the right to flex. Why? He's here every day for two hours, working out, trying to better himself. And so I I was really intrigued by this, and then I I began to think about God's power, and there's so many scriptures where God tells us that he wants to make his power in you public. He wants to put himself on display through your life. He is ready to unleash something inside of us, if we are willing to go the limit to see it. I have too many people telling me, man, I want to see God do something in my life. That's awesome. But are you willing to go the distance to see that happen? I once, you know, had this dream, I want to be Billy Graham. I remember my mom for years would tell me, Doug, you're going to be the next Billy Graham. Now, I still believe that. I, I, I want to be, I want to have his influence, but I don't want to be Billy Graham. I'm going to tell you why. I read his autobiography. That dude worked out. Not like physically, like pumping iron. But I'm telling you, he had a devotion and a crazy life. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if I want to go there. <laughs> I like his influence, but I don't, I don't want to be Billy Graham. I want to be Doug McKinnis. I want to be the best Doug McKinnis God ever created. I want to be the best at who he made me to be. And so as I begin to think about this series, Flex, something just resonated that God is ready to unleash his power in your life. And to, uh, I get to open up the service with an intro. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about flexing and what it takes and talk about Nehemiah. I, just as I was thinking about how to open this, this series, just the story of Nehemiah just came out at me like a, like a ton of bricks. And I was like, okay, this is it. This is where God 
um, wants me to speak. And then I begin to think, you know, oh, wait a minute. You know, I don't know how many, ser- I think I have like 30 different sermons on Nehemiah alone. I was like, God, I want something fresh. So I just begin to pray and through the help of the internet and, uh, and uh, a collection of hundreds and thousands of people, just God begin to bring some new innovative ideas. And hopefully tonight I can relay this properly to you. But Nehemiah was a young guy. Um, young in Hebrew days is probably like 60, 70. That would still be considered incredibly, I want to live in those days, amen? Because I would still probably be viewed as a teenager. Uh, I'm in my 30s. Uh, but back in those days, you know, people lived longer, so we don't know how young he was per se. We do know that they called Timothy young, and he was in his 50s. So Nehemiah, this is like at least 800 years before Timothy. So Nehemiah would probably be viewed as a, uh, uh, he was probably around his 50s or 60s. But Nehemiah, he's got a great job. He, he's the cupbearer to the king. And in those days, that was a very prized position. I don't know why, because you drank the king's wine first to see if it was poisoned. So I don't know why that would be the most valued job uh, of of uh, of an of someone to have, but he had the uh, he had the um, the right to be in the king's presence, and not a lot of people had that authority. But he would he would always be with the king and Nehemiah. He I I don't I don't want to go jump ahead of my message, but Nehemiah something happened in his life, and we'll discuss that here in a little while. Nehemiah something happened in his life, and. He felt God was telling him to do something. He goes out and he accomplishes this. Nehemiah was basically, he was a general contractor. When you, when you look at the scripture, when you look at the, the, uh, the, the definitions and everything that he did, he was basically, God called a general contractor. General contractor goes out and they, they get jobs for people and they need this project done and that project done and they go out and do that. Nehemiah was a general contractor. He built. Israel, or he built Jerusalem back to its glorious wonder. The Bible says in the days of Nehemiah, Jerusalem has never seen such wealth and prosperity. Nehemiah built his city from ruins back up, and he did it in a supernatural time frame. I love that. As I begin to read this and study, he did it in a supernatural time frame. He did it in 52 days. I want to read this passage of scripture to you. It's found in Nehemiah 6, 15 through 16. It says this, the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul. It had taken 52 days when our enemies heard the news and all the surrounding nations saw it. Our enemies totally lost their nerve. They knew that God was behind this work. You hear something amazing about God. He wants to put you in a position that strikes, I don't want to say fear, but people start realizing and seeing you different. This is God's purpose. It's got one job. God's power has one job, guys. And it's simply to take you to a place, put you in a position where people cannot look at you the same way. It's impossible. This is the kind of power God wants to unleash in our lives. But something has to happen first in our lives. The reason why I love that supernatural time frame, he had to, he had to do this in 52 days. 
What should have taken 52 weeks or a year to do, he did it in 52 days. Supernatural time frame. Here's the thing. He put an urgency on God. Some of us, we've been waiting for God to do something for a long time. Some of us, we've been desperate. Sister, I want to I just share something with you. Sister Terry, I just want to share something with you. Just um, from me to you. As I was, ah, man, I'm going to have a hard time not crying. Don't cry, because you'll make me cry. As I was preparing some of these devotions, just as I was reading some of them, just God totally began to speak your name to me. And it was so awesome as I, as I saw you walk across the parking lot, just God said, okay, this is the moment I want you to say it to her. I want to I just let you know something, that God is ready to just unleash greatness in your family, your life, everything that you've been seeking and diligently praying God and not losing faith that it doesn't seem like it's being answered. God says, over the course of this time, I'm going to show you great things. People cannot and will not be able to stand against it. People will not be able to say that God is not moving. I don't know what God, what God wants to do. I don't know the plan. I wish I did. I wish I could say on Monday, this is what's going to happen. But whatever it is, the, the situation that your family is facing, God wants to do a supernatural breakthrough that no one can say it's not God. God wants to prove that he's behind your work. And God really, I just, when, when I was reading this, this this afternoon, just again, God began to impress you on my heart. I was just, I was going to call you and just, tell you over the phone, but I'm so glad you came today. And just, I, I just, when I saw you, just, that's what God said. Okay. This is the moment I want you to do it. Amen. Guys, let's just, I want you to do me a favor. Just stretch your hands out to sister Terry right now. We're just going to pray. Father, we come before you right now, God. Lord, you know her situation. You know what she's facing, God. She did not come here expecting this God, but Lord, you spoke it. And I pray that tonight that God, you would begin father. Lord, you would begin to put a power, Father, inside of her that unleashes God. And Father, everybody knows that, God, you are behind the work that she is doing. God, may it confuse people. God, may, may, it, may it cause people to look in your direction, Lord. We give you all the praise and all the glory in your holy and most precious name we pray. Amen and amen. I love it when God does that. God's power has got one job, to get people to look at you in a different way. And it's already in there. Ephesians 1.19 through 20 says this. I Usually I could quote it, but I don't want to mess it up. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Next. Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Basically, what this scripture is saying is God is telling us that the same power that raised Christ from the dead, it lives in you. Paul is begging the people. I, I, I love that word begging. He's begging the people. He's saying, I want you desperately to know that the power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. So we know it's there. God's promise says it is there. But we have to begin to stretch out, to bend. That word flex means to bend, to extend a power. To bend, to extend a power that we have, we have the power to bend or extend our knee. We make the choice. 
God is saying the power is inside of you. You got to make a choice whether you want to bend it and extend it. Bending it basically means this, to go in new directions. To go in new directions. To extend means from your place right now, from where you are at, some of us, God is going to point us in new directions and we're going to begin to walk in new direction. Some of us, we're going to stay in our current situation, but God wants us to extend out from right where we're at. To bend or extend, and my job is to challenge you in this. So here it is. God's power is inside of us. We know it's there. God promises it is. So how do we flex God's power in all that we do? You know, it's amazing to think about. I just wrote this in my notes because just it struck me. It's amazing to think that us, the way we are today, is housing the supernatural power of God. In this scripture, Paul is saying that. He says, it, I, I need you to understand, as frail and as capable of making huge mistakes. I tell people all the time when they get saved, you're going to make some of your big mistakes being saved. Your biggest mistakes are going to be made being saved. Wow, what a killjoy. It's reality. Some of your biggest mistakes are going to be made being saved. But that's the awesome power of God. He still wants to unleash and unlock something amazing in your life. It doesn't mean that we could just forget, we, we could just forget about um, our, our choices and our mistakes. That does not, that's not what this scripture is meaning. Paul says this, that grace is not something we can wipe our feet on. We got to make a change. But in doing this, God still wants to do something amazing in our lives. So, I'm gonna, we're going to go over some positions, some flexing positions of God. How do we flex God in all that we do? So, we're going to go over these positions here. I got four of them. I hope that they bless your life the way they've blessed, blessed mine. Flex position number one is this, making resistance your challenge. Making resistance your challenge. And basically, how to turn your misery into ministry. How to turn your ministry into misery. When I was a little kid, I always wanted to be a pastor. Uh, it's all that I've ever wanted to do. I had other, um, uh, as I grew older, I had other aspirations. I wanted to be a cop, uh, but I couldn't do that. Uh, I was little, so being a cop, they told me, you know, Come back when you're like 190 pounds heavier. Uh, so being a cop was out of it. And then I wanted to be a firefighter until, trust me, you didn't want me to be your firefighter. You know, I, there was no way I could have drug anyone out of a building. You know, they told me you're going to have to drug, drag like a 180 pound sack out of a burning building. You, can you, do you think you can do that? And I was like, no, but I'll counsel them through the situation. You know, I'll, I'll die with you. I got no problem doing that, you know. Uh, I wanted to be an ambulance driver, and then I realized you got to look at blood and stuff. And then I wanted to be an astronaut and discovered you got to know something about math. And I hate math. Anyone like math here? Hey, uh, Sister Val, the door's right there. Amen. I hate math with a passion. Amen. But here's the, here's the thing. When I begin to look on my life, I begin to realize, wow, everything that I wanted to be, other than an astronaut, everything I wanted to be in my life uh, was always geared towards helping people. When I was little, when, mo when you, anybody remember the Walkman? Great. 
you know, none of this iPod. I, I had a Walkman, and uh, I, I, I love listening to preaching. That's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, most kids were listening to, you know, I was embarrassed that I was listening to preaching. You know, people would ask, you know, what are you listening to? Oh, you know, Boys in the Hood, you know, or uh, New Kids on the Block. You know, I don't, I, I, it was probably New Kids on the Block. I love listening to preaching. And why? Because I wanted to help people. And I didn't know what to say to people. And so I would listen to preaching and find out how I can help people. And, and, and all of a sudden, this desire grew. And I, I, all of a sudden, people would come and talk to me that normally wouldn't talk to me. And I realized my calling at a young age, I wanted to be a pastor. And I, as, I, as I matured and grew up, and um, you, you know, most kids, they want to be Spider-Man, then they grow up. I wanted to be a pastor, and then I grew up and realized, you know, um, it's not really what I want to do. And then I realized I can't run from it, and this is something God wants me to do. And I began to, I began to extend myself and do pastoral things, and even though I was by myself. And I, I'm telling you, I was miserable because I couldn't preach. I was miserable. But then I began to take that misery and begin to do something about it. I begin to take that misery and just begin to extend myself. And I, I, I didn't need a pulpit. I didn't need a stage. I, I just begin to minister everywhere I go. I just begin to do that. And all of a sudden, God turned my misery into my ministry. God wants to take the resistance in your life, and he wants us to make that our challenge. Look at Nehemiah 1.4. It says this. It doesn't say anything. Yeah, the memoirs of Nehemiah's son, I can't pronounce that word. We'll just call him Hacky Sack. Nehemiah's son of Hakaliah. It was the month of Keslev in the 20th year. Please do not tell my seminary teacher that I am, I said Hacky Sack. It was the month of Keslev in the 20th year. At the time, at the time I was in the palace complex at Susa, uh, Hananiah, one of my brothers who had just arrived from Judah with some fellow Jews, I asked them about the conditions among the Jews there who had survived the exile and about Jerusalem. They told me the exiled survivors who are left there in the providence are in bad shape. Conditions are appalling. The wall of Jerusalem is still rubble. The city gates are still cinders. When I heard this, I sat down, I wept, I mourned for days. Look at that. I mourned for days fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Now check this out. Nehemiah became miserable about the conditions that were surrounding his people. What trouble is what trouble is surrounding you? What situations are surrounding you right now in your life? These troubles that are surrounding us, God is trying to get us to see that he wants you to rise up and take up the challenge. God wants us, whatever situations are surrounding you, God wants you to rise up and take the challenge. It makes us miserable. It makes us sad. It makes us just feel mortified. One of the things that just, that just devastate me I told my wife, one of the things that just devastate me is when I see things that happen to other countries and other cities, um, and, and I go, God, you know, God, my finances are not in the place where I could just tell my wife, hey, I want to get a plane ticket and go somewhere. So I'm like, I'm, it, it makes me miserable, and I know that God is going to provide that for me. Why? Because it makes me miserable, and I want to make that my ministry. 
I, I want God to provide in, 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 in um, finances in such a way that I can, I can call my wife and say, you won't believe what happened uh, in Iraq. I need to go right now. Come get the kids. I need, I need to jump on a plane and go there right now. They need pastors. They need ministers. Do you know one of the most amazing things about these devastations in other countries is the Christians that just rise up, they take the challenge, and they, they can't bring money, they can't bring food, but they bring God, and it changes lives. Billy Hall, he tells one of the most amazing stories about this. He, he's our missionary in uh, Ethiopia. But when he first went in the 80s, he went at that time where the famine was really bad. They're literally losing thousands of people a day. And he, he started this camp, and, you know, they're waiting for U.N. resources to get there, but the guerrillas are keeping, them, keeping the U.N. at bay, and um, food wasn't getting there, and they didn't have food for like two months. And Billy Hall is just devastated. He's trying to seek every help he can get, but the guerrillas are just, they're blocking access to the food. And he, got, he said he got angry with God. He's inside of his tent, and he is ticked with God. Do you guys know it's okay to get ticked with God? There was a woman that lost her son. And she went to the prophet and she said, I didn't ask for this kid. You gave him to me. He died. Now fix it. And just walked away. Now, Elijah had to react because he's got an angry mom on his tail. There's nothing like an angry mom. So the Bible says Elijah goes and he prays. And he's like, he's desperate. The Bible says he's laying on top of the kid like, God, make him rise from the dead because this mom is going to kill me. And the Bible says seven times he goes before God. And on that seventh time, the child comes to life. And I just see Elijah. It's okay to get a little angry with God when your promise is not coming through. When things seem hopeless, when things seem desperate. You know what God told him to do? God told him, I want you to go outside and I want you to begin to sing. Billy Hall says he's mortified. This is what you want me to do, God? You want me to sing? God says, go out and sing. So he goes outside of his camp and he begins to sing worship songs to God. And he says that a tremendous power of God happened. He says kids were hungry. Kids were desperate. Parents were desperate, he says, but they all begin to sing and, and run around the camp. He says the kids got a new life inside of them, that yes, there wasn't food there. And those, some, some of those same kids passed away that very day, but they passed away singing praises to God. They passed away with a smile on their face, satisfied by God. This is the power of God, folks. God wants to do amazing things in our life if we will make our resistance our challenge. Whatever resistance comes up in your life, whatever is burdening you, here's the question. We need some Christians to be burdened by what surrounds them and then act on it. We need Christians to begin to, begin to get burdened for people, begin, get, begin to get burdened for situations. So God is asking me to carry a weight. God is asking me to put something on myself. Well, check this out, folks. The Bible says this, that when we are burdened, God is there to lift heavy burdens. Meaning, the bigger your burden is, the bigger God responds. You guys just get chills? I just got chills just saying that. The problem is, is some of us, we got these little burdens. Tiny, itty-bitty baby burdens. 
And then we wonder why God is not coming through big time in our life. Well, what are you burdened about? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm burdened about uh, the homeless guy that, that, I, that I pass occasionally on the street. Well, that's great. Help him. But that's it? That's, yeah, that's about it. Let me tell you something. You begin to get a big burden. God begins to respond big time. Why? Because God, God, it's a promise of God. When you are burdened, he lifts heavy burdens. And what that, what that scripture actually means when he lifts heavy burdens, it says he meets the need. You create it, he meets it. Isn't that awesome? I'm just totally rocked by that. We create it, he meets it. Proverbs tells us this. You're going you're gonna to do a devotional on it. Proverbs tells us this, that it is up to us to dream big dreams. It's up to God to lay the foundation for it to come true. He leaves dreaming up to us and then says, I will lay the foundations to accomplish that dream. But notice how God doesn't say, I'll give you the dream. We got to create it. We got to begin to get burdened for something and get, make it big time. Make it big time. For some of us, big time is our family. For some of us, big time is, is, is our current situation. Right now, whatever it is, it needs to be big time, and we need to be burdened by it. That word burden means this. I can't sleep at night. I, you know, I, I always say this. If Christians are able to get a good night's sleep, they're doing something wrong. There's got to be a burden. Let me tell you something. My heart, my burden is this church, and my wife will tell you, I go to bed almost every day between 3 and 4 in the morning. Why? Because I am burdened for what God wants to do. I can't sleep. I lay in bed looking up at the roof, and then all of a sudden I get an idea, and I'm on my iPad typing away. Why? It's my burden. And I know that God is going to meet me big time. I know that God is going to meet me Big time, our burdens got to begin to weigh us down. Nehemiah was weighed down. He fasted. He prayed. That's how, I, that's how I know something is a tremendous burden on people's life is because why? They have to fast. They have to pray. I can't do this any other way. The more consumed we are with the need of those that surround us, the bigger challenge God has to live up to. And believe me, God says this, nothing is impossible for him. But well, we got to begin to make some challenges. Begin to ask yourself, what causes the greatest resistance in your life? What is the greatest resistance in your life? What is the thing that brings you the most pain? I hate telling people about this, but sometimes it's a reality. Whatever brings you the most resistance, the most pain, the most misery, is the direction God is pointing you to start flexing him. Whenever you want to know where God's pointing you, just begin to look back and say, what brings me the most resistance? It's those kids. They bring me the most resistance. Make kids your ministry. Make those kids your ministry. It's my workplace. It brings the most resistance in my life. Great. Guess what? You just became the pastor of your workplace. It's my, it's my financial situation. Great. Guess what? You just became the, the, the minister of giving. You be, just became the pastor of giving away. What? Yeah. God's pointing you in a direction. He wants to start flexing his power in your life. But we got to begin to create some challenges for him. 
You guys catch that? We got to begin to create some challenges for God. Flex position number two, I need to get off this really quick. I've changed it. Answer the phone. You guys remember the, the rotary phone? Amen. We know it's Sister Val. The rotary phone. You know, the the, 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 the four, the, 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 the five, the, 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 oh, wrong number. Hang up. The, 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 the four, the, 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 the five. You remember that? And then all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the push thing came out. Late 80s. You know, the, the mid 80s. I mean, you know, the, the, the punch, the number. Back in those days, you know, when, the, when, when someone called and you didn't want to answer, you, you got to play dumb. You got to play like, what? You called? Yeah, I called. Oh, wow. Nowadays, you can't do that. Nowadays, we got caller ID. They, know, they can look you up on the phone. You know, some people, they don't even have a house phone. I don't, anybody still got a house phone? Amen. Glory to God. Oh, okay. I don't have a house phone. I got a cell phone. I got a, I got a phone on my iPad. My wife's got cell phones. You know. Nowadays, you can't play dumb. They can locate you. They could, they, you know, you weren't out of town. You were right there. You know, now, now, you know, we got caller ID. We know who's calling us. Now they, they, can, they can, you know, now there's technology out there that they can, they can go online and they can even see if your phone was, was activated. Now you can't even say, oh, my phone was disconnected or anything like that. Some of us, God is calling us He's got great things for us, and we just make the choice not to answer the phone. Oh, I, I know, I know, uh, you know, God's going to ask something of me. I know God's going to challenge me. He's going to push me. And you know how God is calling you because you, you start feeling this weight on your heart that something's not right. The condition of what I'm doing right now is not right. It doesn't necessarily mean it has to be sin. It doesn't mean that, that, that we're doing bad stuff. It just means we're not doing pretty much what God is wanting from us at that moment. And you feel this weightiness. You feel this, you know, this, this uh, uh, emptiness. And all of a sudden, God calls, and we feel this spark happen. We, you know, we saw something that just sparked us and got us interested in something. And then all of a sudden, God calls, and we don't answer phone we don't answer the phone and you could be missing out on the most important phone call of your life i was touched by a story um recently you know we celebrated 9-11 i was recently touched by a story of a woman who said that her and her husband were fighting and weren't talking to each other he was out of town and She says, he called me five times, and I didn't answer. And then 9-11 happened, and he was on the plane. And he was trying to call her to tell her he was sorry. Left her five different messages about how much he loved her, and just he didn't think he was going to make it through this, and just wanted her to know that what he said was not what he meant. And just she could have had a, a live conversation with her husband. You have no idea when, whenever you don't answer the call of God that you, you feel burdened. You feel like God is pressing on you. He wants to flex. Guys, I need you to understand this. God wants to put his power on display, make it public through your life. 
And when we don't answer the phone, you could be missing out on the most important phone call of your life. When we decided, you know, today I'm going to take it easy. Today I'm not going to go to church. Today I'm not going to attend small group. Today I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. We could be missing out on the most important phone call of our life. You have no idea what God wants to do. Check this out. In Nehemiah 2, 1 through 6, it says this. It was at the month of Nisan, yeah? Nisan, right after the year of Honda. In the 20th year, I can't pronounce that word. We're just going to call him Art. In the 20th year of Art the king, at the hour of serving wine, this is Nehemiah. He just heard that his city is in ruins. It's still burning. God God prophesied that in Isaiah, that the city would still burn after 70 years. And people just told him that the city is still on fire. The fires were unquenchable, and it's still burning to this day. At the hour of serving wine, I brought it in and gave it to the king. Now, this is very important. I have never been hangdog in his presence before, meaning he was always happy. He just drank a he just drank a vat of poison. He has to get a shot. And he still had a smile on his face every single day. Some of us when 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 we go through bad or whenever we go through life, we're so quick to just have bad days. Some of us we make bad days happen. Something bad happens. Like today, when my wife gave me that financial news, I could I could have just said, "You know what? This is a bad day." Some of us, we create bad days. We already call it, it's going to be a bad day. How many of you guys have ever done that? You woke up in the morning and all of a sudden, you know, the dog pooped in your bed, you know, and that's not something you wanted to wake up in the morning to. And you already say, this is going to be a bad day. Well, guess what? You just spoke a prophecy into your own life. It's going to be a bad day. And no matter what God does, God could rain a million dollars on you that day and it would still be a bad day. Why? Because you're focused on that poop. It's a bad day. We're already declaring it. But this day was different. He was burdened. And no matter, he couldn't fake a smile that day. And it was so desperate. Here it is. He's, this king could kill him for having a bad day. Because look at what the king says. I have never been hangdog. I've never been miserable. I've never been sad in his presence before. So he asked me, why the long face? You're not sick, are you? Or are you depressed? Isaiah or uh, Nehemiah says, that made me all the more agitated. I said, long live the king. He's sucking up because he wants something. Long live the king. And, and why shouldn't I be depressed when the city, the city where my family is buried, is in ruins and the city gates have been reduced to cinders? The king then asked me, so what do you want? I want to do a Pentecostal jig right now, but we're non-denominational. Look at it. The king asked him, what do you want? That is awesome. Throughout scripture, so many times, Jesus looked to people and Jesus says, what do you want? This is the king of kings here. He knows what they need, but he wants to know, what do you want? The king says, what do 
you want. And then look exactly what Nehemiah says. Praying under my breath to the God of heaven. <laughs> he, can't, he doesn't have time for a 12-hour prayer and 24-hour fast. He's got to think fast, but he's ready. Check this out. Some of us, we're going to miss God simply because we're not ready to see it. We're going to miss the power of God being displayed on our life. Why? Because we did not prepare ourselves for it. God's still going to do it. He's going to put it on display, but we're going to miss it. It'll be undervalued. It won't be what you expected it to be. And so you'll be bummed and depressed. And okay, God, that was a great try, but you missed. I needed this, but you did this. You were not prepared for God to answer that prayer. Look at Isaiah or Nehemiah. He prayed. He fasted. He was prepared for the king to say, what do you want? I don't, I'm going to tell you here, you have no idea when God is going to say, what do you want? Today's the day I'm going to meet this need. You're burdened. You're weighed down by this. And I'm ready to lift heavy burdens. What do you want? And God wants to. And Isaiah, quickly, he's praying under his breath, saying, God, help me to say what I need to say because I want to be bold. He gets, Nehemiah gets bold. Let me tell you how bold this is. He goes on to say this. If it pleases the king, I want to go to a city you don't care about. I want to leave my job that you happen to love me occupying. I want to go somewhere that is not going to benefit you at all, and I want you to pay for it. All of it. And then it says that the king, it's quite obvious, the king, go back. The king with the queen, let's focus on that, men. The king with the queen sitting alongside him, so we know who's calling the shots. We know who's really calling the shots here. The king wants to give off the impression that he's calling the shots, but there's a reason why Nehemiah mentions the queen because he probably looked and he was like, I don't know what to do. Let him go. Okay. You're going to go, Nehemiah, on our behalf because the queen said so. Now look at this. With the queen sitting alongside him said, how long? Now look at this. How long will your work take? This is why it was a supernatural time frame. How long will your work take? And when... Would we expect you to return? You know what a lot of issues are? Reason why God's power may not be coming out effective? Because we're trying to get God's power to get us out of something. When God is like, I want you to stay because I got great expectations for the people that you're going to reach. We're, we're, trying to get, we're trying to say, God, display your power to get me out of this. But God says, what are you talking about? I want you in this. I want you in this. He makes, Nehemiah leaves comfort. He leaves comfort to pursue something that was inconvenient. And he wants the king to pay for it. The king does. Totally pays for it. Nehemiah left comfort for trouble. Let me, hear, let me just share this. God's power cannot flex in comfort. You cannot expect to be comfortable and have God's power flexed in your life. You'll always be comfortable. Yeah, you'll be comfortable. But that's it. God's power cannot flex in comfort. God's power needs a challenge to come up. Some of us, God allows difficulty 
to come our way. I don't believe God causes difficulty because the Bible says God is a God of justice. But I believe God allows difficulty to come our way simply because he knows we'll never go there on our own. So he says, I'm going to allow this to come your way because I got something great in store for you. So you got to go through this because I know there's no way you'll do what Nehemiah did. I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could leave a job that, you know, the Bible says that Nehemiah had great political connections. He had a great job, great paying job. Sometimes God allows this simply because he knows we'll never go there on our own. We are seeing this generation, this culture right now has got its head stuck to their phones. They got their head stuck to cell phones. And don't get me wrong, I got an iPad. I, we got cell phones that connect us to the world. I think it's great. I'm not trying to knock this stuff. I'm not trying to knock Facebook. Thank you, Zuckerberg, or whatever his name is. I'm so thankful for him. Why? Because he's opened up a whole avenue of ministry to me. A whole world that I can minister to. But what's sad is this. We're so comfortable that if a crisis doesn't make a post on Facebook, we have no idea what's going on around us. If our friends don't post that they need help on Facebook, we have no idea they need help. We're so fixated on, 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 on this, just this stuff just coming to us when God is saying, I want you to create challenges. I want you to go out and begin to create some challenges. And the more difficult your challenge, the bigger I'm going to get. Nehemiah left the comfort of what he knew. And what's awesome is he set a time frame with God. Check this part out. This is my favorite part. He set a time frame with God and said, God, you got to meet it in these days. But I'm not just going to put this challenge on you. I'm going to accept the challenge that you're putting on me. The Bible says he consecrated himself. He sanctified himself. He got rid of, uh, and I'll go through that right now. He got rid of certain things. Flex position number three. I'll go through these ones really quick. Flex position number three says this. We need to be committed to flex together. Look at this, Nehemiah 12, or 2, 11 through 12 says this, And so I arrived in Jerusalem after I had been there three days. I got up in the middle of the night, I and a few men who were with me. I hadn't told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. The only animal with us was the one I was riding. Look at this, Nehemiah, when he sets out to go do something for God, he joined a small group. Right there, I just pitched a small group. Propaganda right there. Hope you guys caught that. If I wasn't subtle enough, join a small group. Check this out. Look at this. So awesome. He committed to flexing himself, not just with himself, but with others. He got a group of small men, a group of small, a group of guys, small group, and said, guess what, guys? This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna, we're gonna show how big our God really is. We need to begin to connect ourselves with people who are destined to do something for God. I'm tired. I am so tired of people who are getting advice and they're, they're, they're reaching out to people who aren't doing anything for God. But yet these people got tremendous wisdom, apparently. 
They're still in the same place they were a year ago. They're still in the same place they were 10, 15, 20 years ago. They're in the same place. And you're, we're going to them asking them, what does God want me to do? Trust me, you're not going to get the answer God has for your life. You need to begin to connect with people. Connect with people who are doing something for God today. Moving with God today. Why? Because when you surround yourself with people like this, I'm telling you, you're going to do great things. Why? Because you're surrounding yourself with people who have the same mindset as you do. They have the same mindset as you do. It's popular. How many times have you heard someone say, you show me five of your closest friends, I'll show you who you truly are. How many times have we heard that? When is it any different in the church? What, in the church all of a sudden that that changes? It's the same concept, folks. You will become who you surround yourself with. Some of us, we need to get rid of negative people in our lives. We are holding on to negative people. Why? Some of us, we like the drama. I do. I have to invite people over to my house to give me drama because I got no drama in my life. Why? Because I cut the drama out of my life. But I need other people's drama to make me feel like I'm still connected to this world. Like, wow, there's still people with drama. Some of us, we like the drama. We'd be miserable without the drama. But do you realize the Bible says everything about God's power is to establish peace and joy. And we wonder where God's power is at in our family, in our situations, in our life. Why? Because God's power wants to establish peace and joy. So when we're surrounded by negativity, some of us, we can't help it. Some of us, we cannot help it. Look at, I'm not saying, you know, you may be thinking, oh, what, Pastor Doug, I'm not supposed to love people. No, guess what? I'm not saying that you shouldn't love people. I'm not saying to draw a circle around yourself and saying, you can't come into my circle. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm simply saying is this. There are people who come into our circle and influence our atmosphere. I'm not saying you shouldn't love them, but you should begin to uh, make a stand and say, you are not going to influence my atmosphere. You get negative, I get leaving. That's not proper English. If my wife was here, she'd throw something at me. Check this, she's an English teacher. I'm not, that's, what I'm saying is this, is that we are not going to allow negative people to influence our atmosphere. We're going to surround ourselves with people who are like-minded, believe in the same thing we do, who can cut us, but yet at the same time, you know, you know how you know you got a, you got you got someone to follow. They got no problem cutting you, but they don't leave you cut. I I, I don't like preachers like that. They get up and they cut, and then they don't take any time. I remember when I was studying to become a pastor. One one pastor told me he said, Doug, as much time as you spend cutting people, you need to spend double time that putting them back together. He said, if you spend 45 minutes cutting them, you need to stop your sermon, walk away, ask God for forgiveness. But if you spend 20 minutes cutting them, you need to spend 40 minutes putting them back together. You need to spend double the time healing them. Why? No one should leave church feeling like, wound, feeling like they're wounded. But yet never patched together. Never put back together again. Some of us, we got friends, we got connections like that, that they cut us and they leave us wounded. They hurt us and they leave us this way. 
Surround yourself with people doing something today and you will do things you can't believe. Nehemiah 2, 19 through 20 says this. When Sanballat, this guy was a bad guy. When Sanballat, the horn knight, his, his tribe sounds evil. Sounds like one of the evil groups from Harry Potter. When Sabalat the Hornite and Tobiah the Ammonite official and Geshem the Arab heard about it, what, what basically what they heard is that is that Nehemiah, these are the people with big political connections. These were his circle of friends. I need you to understand this. These people did not start out his enemies. They became his enemies because he set out to do something amazing for God. These were his friends. These were his closest confidants in the political world. And now they're mocking him and making fun of him. They laughed at us, mocking, ha, what do you think you're doing? Do you think you can cross the king? I shot back. I love that. He wasn't afraid to make these men his enemy. If you're not with me, you're against me. He shot back. The God of heaven will make sure we succeed we are his servants, and we're going to work rebuilding. You can keep your nose out of it. You get no say in this. Jerusalem's none of your business. Some of us, we need to start locking people out of what God wants to do with our lives. We need to start telling some people in our lives, look, if you're not with me, you're against me. I love you to death, but you're hurting the power of God displaying itself in my life. If you can't stop speaking negativity, I'm not saying you have to believe in me. I'm not saying you even have to support me. But you need to stay out of this. This is between me and God. And in the end, God will show which one was right. And I'm not trying to say that he's going to send people to hell. What I'm saying is this. We'll find out if God is faithful to us and are pursuing him more. We'll find out. Amen? Who affects your spirit? Is it for the good? Or do you walk away feeling defeated? Remove negative influences. God wants to work peace and joy in your life. Our last flex is position number four. The standard. Being a person of God, there are just certain things that we must always stand against. You know me. I'm not someone, I, I always tell Christians all the time, you're known more for what you're against rather than what you stand for. People know you by what we're against. I was appalled when I found out someone was going to have a Quran burning in their church parking lot. That disturbed me. Why? Because that's just evil. That's just wrong. I was disturbed when, when traffic was blocked on Blackstone for miles because a group of Christians dressed up in the way marriage should be were blocking the traffic. The cops couldn't even get them to obey the law. So the cops were like, we're going to start arresting you if you keep blocking traffic. I, I, I had a young man with me, thank God, that God was speaking to this young man at the time because I pulled my car over and I got a piece of cardboard and I wrote on this cardboard, please do not blame me for these people. And just as I was getting ready to stand out there, he was like, Doug, don't do this. What if they turn their lives around? They want to come to your church. I was like, yeah, you're right. Threw the cardboard back in my car and kept driving. I totally believe in what they believe in. 
But to do it to make people upset, to make people angry, that's just dead wrong. That's evil. That's wrong. I'm not saying that we need, we need to make a stand against people and push people away. What I'm simply saying is this, that we need to make a stand against the enemy, against his lies, against what this world says is right. No. If it's right for you, I, I, I'm going to pray for you. But I know what God says. And I'm going to live what God says. We need to make a stand against injustice. If we see injustice, the Bible says all of God's ways are the ways of justice. So when we see injustice, we need to make a stand against that. We need to make a stand. Look at what Nehemiah, his stand. I love this part. It says this. When Sanballat, Tobiah, the, the mean guys, when they came back, Geshem and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there were no more breaks in it, even though I had not yet installed the gates. Sanballat and Geshem sent this message. Come and meet with us at Kephram in the Valley of Ono. I knew they were scheming to hurt me, so I sent messengers back with this. Nehemiah wasn't stupid. He knew they were up to something. His message was, oh, no. Yeah, you get it? He was supposed to meet in the valley. That's the nerd in me. I'm sorry. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. Why should the work come to a standstill just so I could come down to see you? Basically, what Nehemiah is saying is I'm not going to lower my standards just to make you happy. Those standards is the promise of God in your life. Those standards is God's power wanting to make himself public through you. I'm not coming down to your level. But guess what? I'm going to live this standard so one day you'll reach, you'll come up with me. I got to be sold out, committed to this. God's power, guys, wants us to flex in every aspect of our lives. We got to begin to create some challenges and expect God to begin to reach out and lift those heavy burdens to meet those needs because nothing is impossible for him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now. We give you all the praise, all the glory tonight, God. Lord, I pray right now that, God, you would begin, Father. Father, that you would begin to establish this word in our hearts. We've heard it. And I pray that right now that, Lord, you would begin to bury the seed inside of us. Help it grow, God. Father, bring it out at the most appropriate of times. God, so that we can see your power displayed. Really quick, if you're in this place and you do not know Jesus Christ, I do this every service. Whether there's one person here or a thousand people here, I would do this. If you are here and you do not know Jesus Christ, I want to give you this opportunity right now. Maybe you're in this place and 
you know God, but you find yourself kind of living for yourself, not chasing and pursuing God. I want to give you this opportunity tonight. Believe me, I know how quickly life can change. Do not miss this opportunity. If you're here and you would like to come back and you would like to know Jesus Christ, what I'm simply going to ask is, would you just raise your hand? Just lift it up. Just put it up and put it down. No one's looking around. It's just me and God. My heart is simply for you to know the greatness of God. And it starts with a relationship with him. Anybody really quick. I go through this real fast. I'm not a car salesman. Amen. Church, can we just stand to our feet tonight? They're going to sing a worship song here. We're going to cut you loose. Again, I, I'm, I'm so blessed that you're here tonight. You could be doing anything on a Sunday night, but you decided to come to church. And I'm so blessed that you listen to me rant and rave and be a borderline heretic. I want to just speak something to you tonight. Maybe you're in this place and You've been waiting for a promise of God to be fulfilled in your life. Maybe you've been waiting for that, that radical moment. God, I, I, I want to be like so-and-so. Someone once told me, they said, Doug, you shouldn't aspire to be like someone. You should aspire to be you. And I, I believe in that. I, I'm, I'm a total believer. But there's a reason why Paul said this. Look at what I'm doing and do what I do. Why? Because he knew he was living a life of power and he wanted other people to know the same power. They, he wanted people to know that what God does for one, he will do for another. Maybe you've been waiting for something and maybe you kind of just pushed it off to the side. God, you know, maybe now's not the time or I don't know, maybe God, you forgot about me or just maybe the, just the promise, the passion for that promise just didn't come fulfilled. What I want to do is I want to pray with you. If this is you, what I want to simply just say, would you just please just come right here to this stage? I just want to pray with you really quick. I, I'm not I'm not going to make fun of you. I'm not going to mock you. I just, I want to just pray. I just feel that there are people here who are desperate for God to do something in their lives. Maybe you're experiencing just a crazy euphoric feeling, emotions with God. You're, you're in the zone, but you want to hold on to it. You want to make sure it stays with you. I want to pray for you too. The enemy lies to us and tells us, oh, this is a phase. This is just something you're going to go through. But you know what? I, You know, you're going to be back feeling the same way. I want to pray with you also. I just, I, I just really feel that there's people going through that. And I want to pray with you and, and just secure a confidence inside of you, knowing that God's not done. Amen. Do me a favor, folks. Go, go ahead. Sing that song. I'm just going to pray. Do me a favor. Just right where you are, just begin to worship God in this place. Amen. Just begin to lift your voice. Even if you don't know the song, the Bible says this, when you don't know what to say, I'm going to say it for you. God is not done yet. God is not done with us. He just started. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we worship
you have spoken here tonight. God, we thank you for the changes that are, are beginning to take place. Some of you in this place, as I was ministering, as I was ministering, you felt a rekindling of passion inside of you. You felt a rekindling of passion inside of you. I want to speak a word to you tonight. If you felt that rekindling of passion, begin to act on it. Whatever it may be. Well, I don't know how to do this. How would you, oh, the way you got to begin to look at it is this. How would you like someone to respond to you is how you need to go and respond to that passion. How you would like that response to happen in your life. Go out and make that happen in someone else. Go out and make that happen in your workplace. I had a guy come angry to my door simply because I, I told his daughter that I passed her the block she lives on. He got upset because they go to another church. And he asked me a whole bunch of questions, but I just simply said this, look, man, I'm glad you got a church. I'm glad you got a pastor. I'm so excited, but it can't hurt to have two. <laughs> it can't hurt that when, when your family gets desperate, there's a guy living two houses, three houses down from you that can meet with you right then and there while your pastor is busy. And don't get me wrong, I know pastors, they're busy. They get, they, they get caught up. But I can meet with you right here, right now. And we'll pray and we'll seek God together. Two are better than one. Where two or more are gathered, God is in the middle of it. That's promise of God right there. You have no idea when you get excited about what God is placing inside of you. Maybe it's for family members that, that you're estranged from. Pick up the phone. Give them a call. You have no idea what it can do. How, you have no idea how it can change their life. Maybe some of us, we're getting desperate in our situations. How about this? How about we start getting desperate for other situations? God says this, it is better to give than to receive. Why? Because when you receive, you're receiving from man. But when you give out, you receive from God himself. And I'd rather want that upon my life than anything else. Amen. I want to just encourage you tonight. Please do not, feel, do not leave wounded here. Please. If you feel wounded, come to me. I'll pep talk you. It's going to be awesome. I don't want anyone leaving here wounded. 
I want you to leave here knowing, encouraged, that you can make a stand and you can do something incredible. You can flex God's power in public. Amen? Guys, thank you for coming out tonight. Let's give God a hand tonight for what he's